Hey, as you find your seat, I want you to say hello to three people in the first KDM English service. So we'll turn on our lights and say hello to three people. So if you have kids, our KDM kids, please follow in the back. Welcome again to our first English service. Now you may, be, you may be asking yourself, if you're here for the first time, what does KDM actually stand for? What does that mean? Because that makes no sense to me. So we are a Polish church. We've been a church for over, almost 10 years now. And we've been a church for almost 10 years now. There we go. So we are enthusiastic and excited. Sometimes it's delayed, but it's okay. So, in Polish, it's Kostola dla Miasta, which for those of you like me who really struggled to say that, it means church for the city. So, whenever we were planning and launching this service, we were like, should we rebrand it? But CFC just doesn't have the same as KDM, and it was just a, you know, branding nightmare for us. And so... We are now, we are KDM English, but we really are, our heart is the church for the city. And we know that our city is an international city and it's only going to increase that there's people from all over the world that are coming for business, for studies. And one of the common languages is English. So even I would say, and I'm here today to help you even improve on that for those of you that may not be from the U.S. is you're actually going to hear from someone that's American. So you get to hear American English, which may be like the best of the best. So we're, we'll have the debate later. So. so my name's Josiah Boyd and my wife is Brandy. And we've been here for about six months now. And we came because we believe that God's going to do something incredible in this city that will impact not just here, but nations around the world. So it's really cool that nations are sitting right out here and we don't have to go somewhere, but we can actually impact and touch nations here. So now as I was thinking, I was like, what is the first thing that we should talk about? Like, what's the first thing? There's so many things, but in our first service, just to share our heart and share uh, where we're from and what we're about, we just wanna talk about the greatness of Jesus. But before that, I wanna tell you a story. I grew up in the U.S., and I actually grew up in Texas, so which is its own country within itself. So uh, Pastor Zibby and some others have been to where I'm from, and it's not like here. So there's things, it's like a desert is a better way to explain it. Uh, but whenever I was growing up, one of the things is we would move around a lot. My family did. We moved around quite a bit. And so... Every time we moved around, it's really common to actually purchase your property there as opposed to rent, uh, because every time we moved, we thought we were staying there for a long time, and then God had something else, and then we'd move again somewhere else, and so, but that's okay, except that my parents were visionaries, which means that they could walk into a property, 
and have a vision of what could become of the place. Because that means that that property was a piece of trash. And it would be just horrible, completely run down, and, but they had, a, they had the vision of what it could become. Now, what that meant for me is that I was free labor and that I got to work a lot and learn an, an amazing amount of things about how to redo and build houses. So I can remember this one house we bought. I was about 13, and the only way we could afford it, there was actually a little apartment in the back. It was near a university in our city, and so we would come. Uh, we were expecting a university student to rent this place out so it could help pay for the mortgage. But the room for the apartment in the back was like it had termites and bugs in it, and it was just like falling down, and it was completely redone. You know, you, has anyone seen like the remodeled TV shows and things like that? That's what we were going through. We were knocking out walls. We were painting things that I didn't know even needed to be painted. We were scraping things. At one point, the uh, heater that was in the window fell out and onto the, and just, so we put in a new heater, new toilets, everything just completely redone. And I can remember my dad would always say these things. He would say, Josiah, and even today he would talk about, hey, Josiah, remember whenever we did this? Remember whenever we built this together? And I got to thinking about that. You know, I was 13 years old. If we would have relied on me to redo that, do you know how well that would have gone? (laughs) So we'd have just, we'd just thrown the heater out the window and that's about as far as I could have gotten it, gotten the project. But My dad brought me along and he taught me things along the way and he brought me into this project together and he gives both of us credit for this project but really if we're truly honest, it had nothing to do with me about the success of the project. It had to do with the greatness my dad was as a builder and as a visionary to see what's to come. And you know for us, we all have this desire for a great life. Maybe that's why you're here in this city. Maybe that's, you know, and it's different pictures of what that looks like. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's, there's a perfect picture of what your family should look like. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a dream job that you're hoping for, that you're working towards. Maybe it's a study, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe it's the ability to travel or how many followers you have on social media. Whatever it is, we all have this thought of what's a great life. And that's what we go after, you know? That's why we do what we do is because we want, we want our life to be great. It's just built inside of us. And what's really encouraging and what I love is that in the person of Jesus, you can find this greatness. You can find the greatness. And what's interesting is just as he came as the son of man or son of God, he also wants to be personal and connect with us. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. So, and as you're turning, let me just explain real quick about the environment that Jesus was in at that time. So, here's Jesus in the Jewish world, and he's a Jewish teacher. He's called, you commonly, you'll hear this if you read your Bible, that Jesus is called a rabbi, so he's a teacher of the law and all these different things. And he has a group of followers called the disciples that are following around. But Jesus is a little bit different than the other teachers of law because he starts talking about this kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and that there's a new way that we can live life now as humans. There's a new way we can live life 
to our fullest. And anytime you bring something new into a system, what happens? People get really mad at you. So the, the leaders of the day, they were upset with Jesus. And so they were trying to always trap him in his words. You talk about grace and love and all these things. Let's see if you also honor the law. Honor our laws, Jesus. So here's Jesus. He's in the middle of a crowd in John 8, and he's, he's doing his thing. He's teaching, and then all of a sudden, here comes some of those leaders. They're like, we've got him this time. Can you, can you imagine this? What if we were in this room, and then all of a sudden, some people stormed in, and they throw a random woman right here? Because this is what happened. And they say, hey, Jesus, listen to this. So and you can see it in verse uh, 4. So they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do with her? Because they were testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. So now here's the thing. Were those people really concerned about the woman? No. They were concerned about, can we use this situation to destroy a man? So by law, that woman should have died. By law, they had every right to stone her. That was the law at the time. They had every right to do those things. But what does Jesus do? This is what's fascinating to me about Jesus. You know he's not from this world. Whenever in the middle of that, he gets down and he just sits, doesn't say a word crowd of people so a woman just caught doing sinning and he starts drawing I, I just side note I'm really curious what was he drawing yeah. have you thought about that yeah. like is he drawing like you know hey this is what's going to happen to me was he writing some notes I mean playing hangman maybe you know I don't tic-tac-toe I don't know what he was doing so he's sitting there in that moment and silence, and everyone's, everyone's waiting for the answer. They're waiting for, what is he going to do? Because the law says this. Our rules are dedicated to this. But you see, Jesus, what makes him unique is he cares about people. What made him unique at that time is he cared about the people over the rules. And so he stands back up. He looks around at the crowd. And you see it in verse 7. He says, let the first man who has never sinned, who's never had a sinful desire, let that person cast the stone. What was Jesus saying in that moment? He was saying, hey, yeah, she deserves this. But if we're really honest, we all deserve it. We all deserve it. And the story keeps going on and it says one by one. One by one, it started from the oldest down to the youngest. They dropped their stones and started walking away. Why? Because they realized in that moment that, man, we're, we're the same. We all deserve death. We all deserve this. We don't, it's not a, we can't compete because we're only human. We're imperfect. And then eventually the crowd goes away. And there's Jesus. He's standing there. And he's sitting there. And it's just him and that woman. And he tells her, hey, 
Can you imagine he, he bends back down? Says, hey, who is here that condemns you? Who has the right to do that? And I'm sure she was probably, she was probably had, been, had her head down the entire time and wasn't looking because she was sure that this religious teacher was going to condemn her just like the law said. She knew. But what does God do? She looks around and she realizes no one does. And then what does he say? He says, neither do I. Neither do I. Now, in that moment, who had the right to condemn her? Who? We know that Jesus, Scripture says that he knew no sin. So he became sin for us. So because he knew no sin, that must have meant that he was the only one that had that right. By the law, he was the only one. By his own words, he, he was the one that had the right to condemn her. But did he? No, because he's not about destroying people. He's about restoring people. He's not about, he's not about putting people in bondage to rules and regulations, but he's about setting people free. Because if you notice, what does he say to this woman? He says, neither do I. I don't condemn you either. Now go live a life free from sin. You see, he wasn't acknowledging that sin was okay, that living a life outside of the alignment God has is correct, but he was saying that, hey, because of the grace I give you, because of my grace, you can live life to the fullest now. If you read just a couple of chapters later in John 10, Jesus said that he has come that we might have life to the fullest. That's what the kingdom of God's about. But it started with the grace because he saw the woman. Everyone in the crowd was worried about what Jesus was going to say and what the law said. There was one person in the crowd and he was the only one that mattered, that cared about the person. And that's our heart, that's who we are, that's what we desire to be at KDM. We wanna be people that are full of grace that show that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we believe that there's a God that loves you and that can look down and say, we know what you deserve, but in the middle of that, we say, no, we don't condemn. We say that you can now have life in freedom. That's the greatness of Jesus. That's the greatness of the God that we serve. Is that the the Savior of the world still sees the one and extends and lives a life of grace. What's the second thing that Jesus did? Is he honored the woman. He saw the woman for who she was. She saw her in, she, he saw her in the brokenness and he raised her up. Do you realize he challenged her to live a life that everyone had been trying to get her to live her whole life? How many of you know she probably went and she lived that life free of sin. Why? Because she had been extended grace by the only one that deserved the right to condemn her. It's the greatness of Jesus. You know, and we want to do this thing. One of the keys is we believe we should do this together as a community. That if we're living this life full of grace, honoring others, honoring people around us, that it's going to glorify our God. Now, I, need, I have two helpers I need help because I want to kind of illustrate this. So where's my helpers, Nikita 
and Marty. Let's give them a hand as they come up. So this is Nikita. This is our good friend Mark. Hello. So these guys, just so you know, they're young, very good looking, single, and have jobs. I'm just saying 10 out of 10, like right there. So now, whenever I was, uh, whenever my wife and I, when we got married, we bought this house and like my parents, I inherited this visionary of what a property could look like someday. And so it was a piece of junk. We redid it, knocked out walls, did all those things, and we had no fence, and we wanted to get a dog. It was very important in our lives. We don't have kids, so we had to replace that with an animal. And so we were looking, and so I needed a fence. I need to build a fence. And so now how do you build a fence? So it looks, it looks something like that. Our yard, look, again, we're from Texas, so that... What that shows me, that's just dollar signs because the amount of water you would have to pay to have that, it's unbelievable. Like here, we're like, we were looking the other day and the grass is still green here. I'm like, it's the middle of winter, people. How is it still green? It's because you have this thing called water that comes from the sky. Yeah, we, haven't ex we don't experience that. So it's like fresh revelation. Anyways, so the way this works is you have to set up some main post and you dig a big hole in the ground, which again, in the middle of the desert, that's kind of like jackhammering through concrete to get there. But eventually you get these posts in the ground. So thank you, you're gonna be my post. And you set that here. And then, you know, about two meters later, you set another post after all that hard work. So thank you. So you just, you go about and you set this around your your garden or your, your yard in, in the U.S., you call it a yard. So you don't even have this word in the rest of the world, so we'll call it a garden. And so, so then after that, you need to lay some cross beams this direction, and then you'll nail, you know, your little pieces of wood on them. Are you understanding? So here's our cross beams. Yeah, and then you would take, and then you would nail the pieces of wood. Now, you can then, the most important part of this to make it look good it can become a disaster really quickly if you don't do these two things. You have to make sure that the post is, go, is level this way. You don't want it going like this because it'll look bad. And then also you need to make sure it's about the same across this way. You notice how they, oh, they look the same. They're not all over the different places. Are you understanding so far? See, you didn't know that you're gonna hear a message about God and learn a practical skill today. That's what we do at KDM English. We raise you up to a new level. So it's zero help here. Anyways, so what you would do is you would draw a string from the top to the top and you would place that really tight and then you would work along and you would put the post up against the, the string and then you would nail it in and you just keep going along the way like that. The string was the most important part of this process. Without the string, it would go bad. I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> because it had been a couple of days. It was in August. And in Texas, that's like 41 degree weather. And it's just miserable out there. And I've been working hard all day. And I'm just ready to get this done. And so we're going. And nothing, the ground's not flat. So that's why you need this, the string. 
So you're going along and I'm going and I'm going. And all of a sudden I notice something. My string, my, my boards are a little bit above the string. It's like, not bad, it's okay. It doesn't look bad, I'm looking. So I think in my head, no, this is no problem. I'll just, you know, bring them down just a little bit over the next five or six boards. Then it'll be even with the string. And this is what happened. I became really concerned with the board previously and really concerned with the, the piece of wood afterwards. But I stopped looking at the string. And then all of a sudden, when it's supposed to be up here, I, stand, I step back to go grab another piece of wood and I turn around and the board is like down here. Wait, it's, it's like half a meter or it's like 10 centimeters below where it's supposed to be. And I realize my wife is going to kill me if I leave it like this. This looks like trash. And so I had to rip all this up and I was all frustrated and mad again because again, it's 40 degrees outside. I'm hot, I'm tired. But then I realized the string is so important. The focus on the string was what made everything work. Let's give these guys a hand. Again, both have jobs, good looking. They'll be available after service to answer any questions. So, but here's the thing, and here's the silly thing about that story is the Lord actually taught me something that day. He said, hey, you had your eyes focused in the wrong place. You know, remember, just as my dad, he taught me all these things, and it was because of his greatness and what as a builder, was I was able to be a part of great things. We should have, but it was all about, I had to focus on what he asked me to do. That's what made me being, contributing to God's, to his great, ugh, that's what, excuse me. That's what made it great whenever we would finish our apartment was because I focused on what he was asking me to do. You know, if we look and we can see all throughout scripture, Jesus is a model for us. He's a model for us to follow and to, to look and see that he doesn't condemn people, he extends grace. He doesn't judge people, he honors them. And whenever we keep our eyes focused on that string, when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, suddenly everything becomes better and everything build and then the thing that we're building becomes great you see that that fence would have not have been good at all if I wouldn't have had the string but with the string it became a great beautiful piece of art I'm just kidding it wasn't very artistic but it became a useful thing you know and if if you and I are those boards and we align ourselves with what God's doing and we keep our focus on the string, and then the person next to us is doing the same thing, and the person next to us is doing the same thing, and all of a sudden our focus is staying on him, on his greatness, on his grace, on him living and showing honor to others, then we look around and there's something great being built here. There's something great that God wants to bring to our city. You know, that's the power of community, guys. We don't want to do this, as Pastor Zibby said, we don't want to do this thing alone. 
We believe the journey is so much better together. And we have someone that we can look to. The greatness of Jesus. That he sees us in our brokenness. He sees us in our frustrations. He says, no, I I don't condemn you. I raise you up to a higher level. That's who our God is. You know, later on in John chapter eight, Jesus makes this statement. So he says, verse 31, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace this truth, it will release more and more freedom into your lives. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of freedom. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I want to live a life of freedom. Apparently that's a long sentence. I'm getting complaints from the front. So turn your neighbor and say, I want to be free. There we go. Hey. Man, that's what it's all about. If we can set people free, free from the bondages of the world, free from the stresses of the world, man, that's, that changes things. Because people are searching for that. You know, we're all looking for great life, to live a great life. We're all looking for whatever that means for us. And what's interesting is whenever we find that, if it's not found in Jesus and his greatness, then usually it's nothing and it's empty. And so today as our first service in English, I just wanted to introduce you to who we follow, who we serve. And that the greatness of our God is something worthy to be imitated. You know, right before Brandy and I, right before we were getting married, so we, I took her to this house that we were thinking about purchasing. And if you'd have seen her face, <laughs> you want me to live in that? I'm like, no, it's fine. Trust me, we can knock out this wall. And we, guys, our our bathtub was yellow. So was the toilet. So you couldn't tell if anyone used the toilet. It was awful. I was like, just trust me. Just trust me, we can do this. I know we can do this. Now here's the thing. If I hadn't helped my dad for years, redo houses. If I wouldn't have learned to see through his eyes the vision of what could be built and what could become, then we'd have never purchased that house. And we'd have never had our first home together. But you see, after a while, once you're following someone, their greatness begins to rub off on you. The way they see life begins to rub off on you. That's why we're in this thing together, and that's why we want to align ourselves with the Father. And we have no better example than Jesus. So if we can have our wonderful musicians making their way back up. Yeah, you're a musician too, aren't you? We use the term loosely here. We believe in faith. 
what I, what I wanna do is I wanna just take a moment because we believe that God is worthy of our praise. That's why we're loud and excited because of what he has done for us. Because the truth is, we were all like that woman. We all deserved condemnation. We all deserved death. But Jesus said, no, I don't condemn you. Now you can go live a life free. And that's the opportunity we have as a community of people. That's the opportunity we have as individuals to live that life free. Man, that's something I wanna take advantage of every single day. Do we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But remember, our God is a God of grace. And he honors us and asks us to go to a different level. As a people, we wanna live that same life and be full of grace. We're all on a journey together. It doesn't matter if if you've known Jesus for a hundred years or you've just discovered them. If you've known him for a hundred years, I'd really like to meet you because you look really good for your age. But let's just close our eyes for a moment. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Josiah, I don't know Jesus and that greatness you talk about. A man who knew no sin that had every right to condemn someone, but instead they extended grace. And I would like to know him. You know, one of the most powerful things about our God is that he desires personal relationships with us. He's not just found on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon. He's not just found in a church, but he's found with us every single day. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I want to meet him for the first time. If you could just raise your hand so I can see you. We're not gonna make you come down or do anything. We just wanna see that first step. 